You are listening to the Regeneration Rising podcast, a podcast from the Kavira Coalition about the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of agrarians in the United States. Each episode will explore what it means to work in regenerative agriculture, how people came to choose this as their livelihood, and why it's important to them and the future. We hope to build a foundation for a strong community of future agrarians and land stewards with a regenerative approach to community, relationships, and the land. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm Taylor Mulia, and today my guest is Tony Borster. He is a research scientist at Colorado State University in the Natural Resource Ecology Laboratory, and he's also one of the creators of this fantastic new program called the Western Ranch Management and Ecosystem Stewardship Master's Program at Colorado State University. Tony, in this podcast, talks about this program in detail and talks a little bit more about grad school. So we've heard some apprentices and lots of colleagues considering going back to grad school. So this might be a helpful conversation. Um, I just think this program is really cool. It's I have never heard of anything like it. So I really appreciated our conversation. So thank you so much for tuning in and I hope you enjoy. Tony, thank you so much for being on our podcast today. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me on, Taylor. Absolutely. So let's get started with your background. You grew up in California and you sort of became interested in ecology through your grandparents' small organic farm. So can you just walk us through a little bit of your childhood? Where are you from? What was it like growing up? And how did you get interested in ecology and agriculture? Um, yeah, so I grew up in the foothills east of Sacramento in California, and um, my grandparents had a organic vegetable farm in Sonoma County, and um, we would go over there uh, on summers, long weekends, holidays, that sort of thing, and um, it, it had a big impact on me. Just um, you know, it was just this beautiful farm in the in the hills with redwoods all around, and um, it was. You know, really special time, and uh, that's you know where I learned about uh, get, getting up at four a.m. to <laughs> when when you're when you're there on the farm, and just kind of shadowing my grandfather as he went around to restaurants and farmers markets and things, and um, it was just yeah, great experience. And then on, on the other hand, I spent a lot of time in the in the Sierras growing up, uh, tromping around with my brothers, my my family, my my aunt. You know, that was kind of the other formative piece of my childhood that was really uh, instilling a passion for conservation in me. You went to study ecology and biology. And tell us about your grad school experience. What did you study particularly? And and you went on to do a PhD. So tell us about sort of your academic trajectory. So I had a bit of a, a side path after my undergrad where I, I went and taught uh, third grade in Colorado Springs and then uh, decided, you know, I knew that I was I always wanted to get back to ecology because that, that was my more of my background. So I ended up at CSU, Colorado State University, where I um, did my master's and my PhD in the ecology program. And I was really f- focused on forest ecology and bark beetle outbreaks and how forest management influences bark beetle outbreaks and how that impacts forest carbon storage questions like that. Yeah. What, what gets you excited about 
ecology and forestry? What what exactly about it made you want to keep studying? That's a great question. There are um, constantly so many unknowns and exciting lines of inquiry around every corner. You know, so I, I think if you're scientifically minded and like that kind of curiosity and that discovery, it's a great field because you never have it figured out and you're always just raising new questions. And and then the big piece for me is that it is tied um, to the stewardship of, of, of our earth and our lands. I mean, it's always been a relevant topic, but, you know, this day and age when people are um, worried about climate change and wondering how we can improve our, our management of the land, it's, you know, an especially relevant field. It has that uh, applied side as well. When you landed at CSU, you know, you did a PhD, you and your colleagues were approached by a rancher to start a ranch management program. To me, that sounds terrifying <laughs> because, uh, you know, you you and I both don't have like extensive ranching experience. What was your first thought when this person approached you? My first thought was, what, why is he asking us to do this? We're, <laughs> uh, me and my colleagues, you know, we'd, we'd worked with ranches on a few like applied research projects and just kind of consulted with them. But uh, yeah, as you said, I don't have a, a background in ranching and we, you know, we were very quick to point that out to him, but he said, no, you know, you know, I think it coming out of natural resources place is, is what's needed. And um, so he, you know, so we said, okay, we'll, we'll think about it. And then as we started, you know, talking to more people and seeing, you know, com- being sure that there was a need for a program like this, then started to become more comfortable in the idea. And um, ever since, it's been just an awesome journey of learning along the way. Everybody I bump into in the ranching world is really approachable and friendly about teaching, about sharing their experiences. And so it's been uh, a really rewarding path to learn about ranching as I go. But also, you know, my, my role in this program isn't to be an expert in ranching, it's to connect the students with the experts that are out there and just be aware, and keep my eyes up on all of the things that a ranch manager needs to know about and making sure that they're in front of the, the people who really know what they're, what they're talking about. And if we're talking about forest ecology or, you know, remote sensing or things like that, yeah, sure, I can, I can talk about that. But for a lot of it, it's um, just getting them in front of uh, ranch managers themselves or people that have a variety of takes on these topics. You know, there's not one approach to managing invasive species. So, you know, let's talk to a couple of folks and see how they approach it. That's also, I think, uh, another fun part has been, you know, getting it out of kind of the academic setting. There, there's still classes on campus and there's still that that piece of it. But, you know, let's get off campus. Let's get out and uh, on the ground. Yeah, I think that's what, I mean, we can, we're going to go into this next, but I think just having an understanding of, the university traditionally it it is this concept of like we are the experts we are teaching the beginners you know and i think what's cool about your program and the way you describe it is that you're you're like i'm not i'm i never said i was an expert i never and but that's that's almost a better thing i feel like it's almost a better thing that you're not you know 10 15 20 years into ranching because you don't feel like your opinion is the way to do it i think that's that's almost serves as a benefit to you yeah cuz you understand that you see the whole breadth of opinions about something. And so, and that's really rare for university, I feel like, because it's, you're, you're just understanding, you know, for example, yeah, like um, weed management, 
you've got a really traditional way of thinking about weed management, but this program is really cool because you can provide like real person perspectives on how they think about weeds and how they think about, you know, cause there's really a whole lot of ways to turn that around. So that's really cool. I, I think that's really unique about this program. You know, when I was first starting this, I felt, um, sure. You know, I felt nervous and insecure, like, wow, like what, what, how am I supposed to approach this? But then I started to think about, well, it's no different than a biology program. Um, you know, biology program, I have a microbiologist and an immunologist and zoologist and all, all these different fields. And that no one person, right, teaches all those different topics. And the same as ranching, right? Ranching isn't one topic. It's a, it's a huge array of disciplines coming together. And so it takes a, it takes a, a real team of experts to, to, to teach a program like this. And luckily here at CSU, we have really strong programs in agriculture and, um, and also in the natural resources. So it's just a, um, a great place to be doing something like this because you can go across and find somebody in ag econ. You can go find somebody in, uh, you know, Temple Grandin in animal sciences. And, you know, you have that expertise right here on campus as, as well, in addition to the people out there who are actually on the ranches. So tell us more. Let's dive into a little more nuts and bolts about this program. So tell me first, who is this program for? Yes. So the Western Ranch Management and Ecosystem Stewardship Program is for uh, two main groups. One is um, students, not even students, people who are interested in managing a ranch or working with ranchers. The other audience that uh, that we work for is, is ranchers and uh, the ranching community. Um, so we have an education piece where students can um, earn a, a master's specialization. It's so the master's is master's in natural resources stewardship, but it has this specialization in Western ranch management ecosystem stewardship. So that's the education side. Um, and then we also have this more like re- research and outreach side where we're working on ranches, learning what uh, their questions are, their, what they think needs to be studied and um, putting, uh, put, putting science to that and sharing those findings with the ranching community and those that might be able to apply the knowledge from these research projects and also just from other research being done on campus. Give us some examples of the coursework. Yeah. um, So, you know, students take about four classes that are actually ranch management focused in addition to some other electives that they can pick from across campus and natural resource kind of foundational classes. I think the most exciting class that we have developed is this summer field course where we spend 20 days on ranches in southern Colorado and northern New Mexico. And um, it's a really an immersive experience into the, the many things that go into ranching and the many different flavors of, of ranching. So there's that summer field course. And then and then the other classes, one is a uh, like a, a skills class where students are learning, you know, hands-on skills like um, animal handling and caring for animals, you know, operating equipment as well as some of the, you know, more office skills, we'll call them, where, you know, things like writing a proposal, things like ranch financing, things like applying, you know, using some of these tools and technologies that are freely available out there and taking advantage of those. And then another class is a a seminar where we bring in speakers on uh, relevant topics, let's say carbon markets or human resource management or holistic grazing. And we have experts or a few experts and a practitioner uh, really dig into these topics with the students. And then the 
capstone class that the students take is where they're paired up with a ranch that kind of matches their their interests and their career goals and uh, develop a management plan for some component of that operation. So the ranch might have a need to develop a grazing management plan or they might be wondering how to retire some water rights and kind of restore some some fields. You know, it, it can be it can be anything. And the student works with that ranch and develops a, a management plan. They really do a lot of research and make this uh, this really nice product that they can be proud of and that the ranch can put to use. So the ranch is providing some mentorship and you know, kind of a classroom for the student, but they're also at the end of the day getting a well researched and really well thought out plan that maybe that hopefully they can apply into the future. Wow. And this is very much uh, like just my curiosity. Do they, do the students have some kind of um, access resources that help them come up with that management plan in a really digestible way in order for that rancher to use it? Like I'm thinking of formatting. I'm thinking of like, you know, visually how to put this information in a way that people aren't going to just you know, toss it onto the desk and it's just going to be in the pile of papers. Yeah, absolutely. You don't want a 85 page management plan. Right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, absolutely. We, we work uh, really closely with the students. We have uh, some examples for them to work from and there's a lot of mentoring along the way. It's not just cut you loose and, and go for it. There's a lot of, uh, you know, we check in with you a lot and to your point, it's, the audience is the ranch. And so the, the point isn't to write a scientific paper. It's to, I think, do something more challenging. It's to make that science relevant, actionable on the ground. You know, that and that, that varies ranch to ranch, what what sort of uh, approach a student might choose to take. But uh, th- their ultimate goal is to make it something that's digestible. This is a master's program. How long does it usually take students to get through this program in total? So students can do it in, you know, if they're, if they're really hustling, they could do it, you know, summer to summer in, in one year. Um, but that takes some, some careful planning to make sure that you can get all your classes and more, more comfortably a year and a half to two years. And let's talk about cost and financial aid. How do most students finance this program? Yeah, that's something that we're, we're trying to address to make this more affordable. That's always a challenge. There are scholarships that some some scholarships that we've that we've worked on and that we're that we're trying to get more funding for, and then CSU does have scholarships for grad students in range and, and ranch management, and so students can apply to those too. This general kind of scholarship pool. We have had a student who's the ranch they were working for did um, support them to come back and help to pay for some of their school that way too, and so there are some creative ways to help offset some of those costs. CSU has a uh, offers, you know, there's a big difference between in-state and out-of-state tuition for Native American students. CSU offers in-state tuition, even if you're from out of state. So that's something that can help with the cost too. And then a lot of students are just working way, their way through the degree. You know, being at CSU, there's all sorts of relevant, interesting uh, jobs and positions. And so, we, we try to help facilitate that too, to help you find a job where you can earn some money, but it also is not just, um, you know, working in the the student center. It's something that, you know, you're working at the equine center or something, or, you know, so, you know, something that you're building some, some relevant experience as well. Is it usually like a full-time time commitment or is it something that most students have a, a part-time job? How do, how does that time commitment look? 
again, if you're trying to get it done as quickly as possible, um, then your semesters are pretty are pretty busy, and it's, it can be a challenge to to work, you know, more than let's say ten hours a week and and work towards already classes. But you know, you do have this time between semesters too, where you know if you can have some opportunities to work, that's a, that's a good time to um, to earn some money. But uh, yeah, you know, you know the uh, the field course too. We do it at the end of the summer. With, you know, I know it's, it's it's hard for people to take off that much. You know, the twenty days off for off of work. But hopefully, you know, maybe they can work the first. You know, th through the through mid July and then and then take off and kind of transition towards school. The the program is not an online program, but there are some options for online classes. So we have had students who maybe take uh, a lighter load of online classes for a semester while they are living outside of Fort Collins and working somewhere or, you know, for some family need or something. This program ideally, too, is kind of supplemented by summer internships. So tell us more about that. Is it encouraged to go work on a ranch and in, in a real setting? How do your students get real hands-on experience? Yeah, we, we really encourage students to get out and uh, yeah, and, and get some, some, some working experience. And so the uh, CSU Extension has a bunch actually of summer internships. Um, some of them are, are on ranches, so that's a good outlet. We have our ranch partners reach out to us and are always looking for people to to come work. And so that's it, you know, we can facilitate some of those connections. And then, you know, there's other programs out there like, like, you know, the Quivera apprenticeship program that, you know, can be a good complement to, to programs like this, where you're actually living and, and working on these, on these ranches. And so in terms of where people go after this program, I, I understand that you're, you know, this is really new. So we should say that too. When did this program come to be? Starting back in 2019 is when we first started piloting some of these classes, like the you know offering some of the classes, but not with the the full master specialization built out. Uh, but then starting summer 2021 is when the master specialization was approved, and so we actually are just having our first student graduate this spring, and then with some more graduating this summer. Very exciting. Yeah. So, what kind of jobs are these folks? I mean, you only really have um, just a handful of people to to gather the data, but where do you see people going after this program? Like you talked about, it can be going into ranching, it can be going into supporting ranchers, but what kinds of jobs, maybe like extension, um, nonprofit work? Yeah. NRCS. I don't know. What, what does this usually prepare people for? Yeah. So some of our students, they want to manage a ranch and, you know, in that case, it's, it's obvious. Other students want to kind of work with and support ranchers. And so, some of those students might be like looking at like NRCS or extension. Uh, we've had people in our program who are like forest service and BLM employees, and they just wanted to understand the perspective of the rancher and be able to work better with ranchers and kind of use the program in that way. We have, you know, one of our students who took the field course last summer, I just heard from them that they're working at a, they just got a job at a, at a land trust and, you know, they're just really excited. And two of our other students already have um, jobs working on managing ranches. And so it's really, really varied. Another one of our students is interested in kind of bringing a good understanding of the natural resources to uh, ranch real estate. And so it's interesting to see <laughs> the, the ideas that people have about how they can use this education. Absolutely. 
So let's talk more about this summer field course. So this is something that's happening pretty soon here. We're recording here in March and should be getting this episode out this month. So tell us more about the summer field course. From what I understand, it is kind of a nice transition into the program. Like a lot of students take it right before they start the master's program, but some people take it without even doing the master's program. So tell me what that's like. When does it start? What, you know, what does it look like? Yeah. So the, this field course, um, you're absolutely right. We encourage students coming into the master's specialization take it as their first class because it's really throws them into all of the concepts and ideas and the lifestyle and, you know, gives some real places for them to work with as they go through their future courses, right? They can have that like, oh, okay, I'm taking this other class and I see how it applies. I remember, you know, the field course and um, that can just be a solid grounding. It's also just a great time to get to know the fellow students in the program and the instructors. We spend a lot of time together. And so we come out of that class, you know, a pretty, a pretty close-knit uh, community. So that's nice. The class is also... F- and it's not just for students who are enrolling in the master's specialization. It's open to professionals uh, just wanting to get this one experience or thinking about changing careers or students in other programs from other universities. Uh, we've had students come out and just uh, take this one summer class and then go back to their university. You know, it's, it's, it's really pretty open. This year it runs from July 17th to August 9th. There's a four-day break in there, but otherwise we're out in the field that whole time. The class is a pretty small class, you know, 10 or less students. And you can start enrolling anytime after March 21st. But you have to reach out to me first if you're interested. And I'm happy to share more, share more details about the logistics and the plan for the curriculum and any other questions that you might have, cost, things like that. The, the idea is that we visit a variety of, of ranches from multi generation production ranches to conservation ranches to guest ranches and, you know, a real variety of places. We also visit a range of environments from the short grass prairie up to, you know, the the alpine zone and understand all those different environments and the different management challenges that that comes with those different places. You know, it's also about revealing the complexity of ranching. So, you know, students can see how markets are impacting livestock management and how ranches are working in their communities, how they are, you know, marketing their, their products to make, to make the, you know, the economics work. They are diving into water law and, you know, talking with the division of water resources and seeing how, you know, visiting headwater streams and understanding how that water is all divvied out and then going down into the fields and seeing how actually, you know, irrigating a field and seeing where that water ends up. I will say there's a strong natural resources tilt to it too. So we do talk a lot about wildlife management and rangeland ecology and forest ecology. And uh, yeah. Very cool. There's this really cool project with Trinchera Ranch down in Fort Garland. So the project is for students to go down and assess the forest. They actually mark trees and and then leave. And then the crew comes in and does the actual cutting of the forest and they can come back and evaluate how their decisions affected what it actually looked like after the fact. I think that is just such a cool project. How often do you get to do that? Tell us more about what students can learn from that. They can learn a ton. You know, we start off with the, uh, you know, the, the, you know, we've taught forest ecology before that point. So what are different species? What are their different 
characteristics, what are the challenges to with fire and drought and climate change that these forests are facing? And so, you know, students have that understanding, you know, what, how do the different forest types, you know, how they have different disturbance regimes. And so they kind of have that knowledge. And then it's about taking that ecology understanding and applying it to management. So how do you translate that to the landowner goals? And so Trinchera shares their you know, their management goals for the, for the forest and the students translate that into actually marking trees to leave and trees to cut down. You know, that, that sparks a lot of conversation. Once you start, once you get that, that decision is real and in front of you, you think a lot more critically about the, the goals of the, of the project. And then to come back and see it after it's been done just two days later, that's, I think that's a real lesson in adaptive management and saying, okay, next time, if I were to do it right over there, I would do this a little bit differently. I like how this came out. But I could see issues with uh, how much slash I left on the ground or, you know, whatever it might be. And then the whole time having, you know, we have forest ecologists there. We have the trinchera managers there all the while kind of supporting and sparking conversation. So that's a, that's a really fun exercise. Yeah, it sounds really fun. You know, you can talk about it all day, but when you actually go out there and work, you know, you're actually riding the bicycle. You're really figuring it out while people are there to help you stay on course. So I think that's really neat. And the one of the other projects that you mentioned too is this water, following the water all the way from it getting delivered into a field, all the way up the ditch systems, all the way up into the headwaters and understanding how water is delivered. So can you talk a little more about that project? Yeah, that, that's another fun one. I think these are just examples of how we try to approach the field course of making these kind of these modules almost where you know, you're know you diving into to one topic and kind of experiencing it. So with with the with the water we spend a day first meeting with the division of water resources and understanding how the, how do they how do they even estimate how much water they have to work with? What is the process that from when they get the amount of water to how they divvy it out by to the different water rights holders and like it's into water law and um, other much much bigger <laughs> political topics. And then uh, so once they understand that, you know, it's like okay, now the ranch has you know x amount of water to work with on the ranch how are they deciding where to put that and why are they making those decisions and then how are they getting it to where it needs to go while still you know meeting all of the you know falling in line with what the division of water resources has laid out for them and then let's put some tarps out and actually you know see how you how you do some of this irrigation and then you know parts of that too there's you know we're also in other parts of class talking about riparian systems and how you know, what restoration of some of those systems look like and students actually doing some of that restoration. And so then that also ties in too, right? Just what is the watershed health that is, you know, feeding these, uh, these streams. And then from there, right, then the, some of the water rights and things kicks in. And like the natural resources, that's, I feel like that's a really good example of natural resources and agriculture, like really weaving together and you teaching that as a system that's interwoven instead of a very rigid system. This is ag water. We don't talk about, you know, uh, riparian systems. We don't talk about any of that stuff. We're talking about ag water. I think it's really cool that you guys interweave both of those. Yeah. And what, you know, what is the, what is the health of your soil and how is your, and how does that impact infiltration? How, what, and then, you know, tying it all back to the forestry. Yeah. It's all, you know, it's. Yeah. It's a really cool holistic approach. I think one of the cool parts about this program too is that, you know, as much as you're learning, you're also, I mean, everything in natural resources and agriculture, 
knowing the right people to ask your questions to and building that community is a really huge part of not only the summer field course, but the master's program. So talk about how you've, how you've seen that play out. Has that been something surprising and, and yeah, how, what does that look like? Networking is, uh, and building that community is something we really try to foster in the program. One, just between the, the students, right? They get to know each other really well through that, you know, camping and staying together over that field course and then continue on through their, through their classes. And, you know, it's, it's a, it's a small program, you know, right now we have like six students and, you know, maybe in the future we'll get a little bit bigger, but not much bigger, you know, that just that, that small nature helps build a community amongst the students too. You know, once they get to campus, they're meeting students from all sorts of other programs that might be looking at soil carbon or they might be doing yeah, a, a wildlife degree, right? So they start to build that network just with other students at CSU and their shared classes and in, with all their classes that they take, right? They're taking, you know, they're interacting with a lot of other professors besides just, just us. So that's kind of the on-campus stuff. And then I think through the summer field course, we have students meet a lot of people, right? All the ranches that we stay at, they obviously get to know them well. We're spending a couple of days with each ranch and it's a small group. By the time we get to the end of the summer, you look at the list of people we've talked to and it's probably 30, 40 people, right? And, you know, and this this world is not tiny, but it's not huge. And so, you know, pretty soon you've, you're starting to build a nice network of folks. And then you add that on to, you know, all the seminar speakers and that come through in the fall. And now, your network is just growing a little bit more. And then uh, we're asking you to reach out and do research for a few things. And so, you know, it's up to you to contact experts or ranches that are doing things in different ways. And so you start to reach out and ask questions about that. And, you know, your network can grow that way. And then we, we're encouraging students to attend conferences like like Regenerate. You know, we had some students who went there this last fall and made some great connections. And so, yeah, absolutely. That's, that's a huge part of it. And as I'm thinking about the students, the, our jobs that the jobs that our students have lined up, a lot of those are from connections that they've made directly in, in the program. So that's that's rewarding to see, too, that those connections do pay off and result and help you out when you're done with school. Yeah, absolutely. And the cohort is, it sounds really fun because it the summer field course, especially because you have people from all different perspectives, like you have some people who are really into soil health or into livestock or some people that are coming at it from a forestry you have some people coming at it from a real estate perspective like you have all these people like sharing knowledge laterally too as you're all learning i think that's really cool to look look to your side and be like oh my gosh i didn't even think about your perspective you're coming at this for the completely different lens yeah i'm so glad you brought that up because that is a really fun part yeah just all the learning that happens student to student for example, the summer field course has a different flavor because the students all have such different backgrounds. And, you know, the program attracts people. You know, some of our students have a background in agriculture. Some don't have any background in agriculture and, you know, come from somewhere else. And so there is a lot of, you know, one day one student might be the expert and, you know, sharing all their ideas and their background. The next day they might be just kind of sitting back and listening and, and absorbing. You know, I think about one summer we had you know, a student who was in like renewable energy. We had another student who had a background in, um, in winemaking. And then we had a forest service employee, a BLM employee. And, you know, that's just a handful of the students off the top of my head. And, um, but they were all interested in ranching and conservation and kind of sustaining working lands, you know, and I think that shows a lot of interest is coming together, not just in this program, but from, 
you know, in the real world of all of these, um, you know, people are seeing the importance of these ranches and are coming at it from all sorts of different perspectives. I mean, that's the radical center. That's like what Kivira is based on. Yeah, it's it it, it kind of happens organically in other places too, because it just, I mean, we're all on land for different reasons. It seems like we all have different interests, but we're really all doing the same thing. And so let's let's switch gears a little bit. I think the reason why I wanted to have this conversation with you is, well, I think it's really relevant to a lot of our apprentices who have graduated, but I have a lot of conversations with folks who are in in the later parts of their apprenticeship and they're thinking about grad school and they have a lot of questions about if that seems like the right path for them. Am I cut out for grad school? Is this even going to help me? Can I afford it? Just big questions like that. So, you know, you've been through grad school yourself and now you're helping run a program. So can you explain sort of some fundamental aspects of what is grad school? Uh, We talked about it having two different flavors, quote unquote, uh, research and professional. So I guess we'll start there. Yeah, those those two flavors is a good place to start. Some programs are are research based. And so that's where you're doing your your thesis and you're, you know, really focused on research. You know, it's kind of the same. If you're doing a master's, it's kind of just a smaller version of a PhD where, you know, you're really learning about statistics and, um, you know, diving deep into to one field, becoming a real expert in that. Another f- flavor is kind of the, the professional master's program, which is what the, the ranch management masters would, would fall into. You know, those are more course-based and, you know, you're getting a broader exposure to different topics and not focus as much on being able to do research and, and write a scientific paper. But it's, it's, you know, more applied and focused on building up that professional skill set as you are looking to um, move a different direction in your career, move up in your career, whatever it, it may be, or just learn more. Along with those comes really different funding models too. You know, so research research programs, oftentimes students are funded, right? So their tuition's paid for, they get a, they get a stipend. They're not going to get rich, but, you know, at least it covers their, hopefully it covers their, their living expenses. And, um, you know, you're, you're being, you're being paid either to do research or maybe to TA a class, but you're not, it's not coming out of your pocket per se. Although some students do do research programs and have to, have to, you know, pay for it. Professional programs, while they might have scholarships and students might work as they're going through the program, it's less common for those programs to have funding for, to pay for your tuition and give you a stipend and such. Another difference between these programs is the application process. So research-based programs, you typically find an advisor who is an expert in the field that you want to become an expert in, and you're finding a project that has funding to take on a student, has a need for a student, and you're kind of finding that sweet spot, finding that opportunity where those things come together. And now then you kind of apply to the program once you have an advisor picked out and have a research project. So that the research program, right? You're starting with professor, advisor, and then kind of go to the application process. That's not the the case for the professional programs where you are more applying like you would in an undergrad to a university and a program. And, you know, it, it helps to reach out and talk with that program, but it's more of a application pool that's being s- sorted through by a review panel or something. So it's a very different approach to 
getting into those, those different types of programs. I'm just thinking through what other differences there might be. One, uh, with the research program, the culmination of your degree is a thesis. It's a kind of think of like a scientific paper, right? It's, it's that sort of format. And once you have that, that's the big requirement, right? You do some courses and you complete that thesis, you get your, your, you get your degree. That's not necessarily the case with professional masters. Some you are just doing all coursework. Some like our program, you might have a, like a final capstone project, but it's not quite the same amount of intensity as a, as a master's or PhD thesis. Yeah, that's really important because I feel like a lot of people think of grad school as that really research focus and it's a little intimidating. I don't know that all people are interested in research. <laughs> it's not necessarily like everyone's cup of tea. So I think it's really important to differentiate that there are two different kinds of grad school. And figuring out where you want to go, I think is the biggest question. Are there, you know, it, it, because especially for the professional degree, this is an investment that you're making. And hopefully you will find a job that will, this will propel you into that field. Are there any other big questions that folks should ask themselves before going to grad school? I think it's important to ask yourself, why are you going to grad school? You know, is it because you're not sure what you want to do next with your life? Or is it you have a field or career or something that you're trying to reach and you have a specific goal? Mm -hmm. Because I think a lot of people, I don't know, it seems like some people go to grad school because, yeah, they maybe graduated from undergrad, did a couple of years of work and then feel like, oh, I need something structured. I just need to keep going on the track. And then, and I, I, I think, I don't know that that's the best way to go because you end up with a grad degree and then you're in the same spot. <laughs> you still don't know what you want to do. <laughs> so yeah, do you see that fairly often in grad school? Definitely. And it's a question I get a lot. And I always encourage students to take some time outside of academic world go work, get some work experience before going back to, to grad school. It's not the right path for everybody, but I, I think that helps you get perspective, helps um, ground you and get some of those those real skills to, to build off of in grad school. And it just gives you a whole new perspective. When you do go to grad school, you know a little bit more what you're trying to do. You can appreciate that kind of the important things and the things that you maybe don't need to stress about and worry about as much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think it's a good thing to go out and work. And even in our program, right, something that we're always encouraging our students to do, yeah, get off campus and go get out on the ground. That's where a lot of the, the real learning happens. Right. Yeah. I found that I, I noticed that when I was doing undergrad, any of the, you know, older students that didn't go to university straight after high school, they came maybe later, you notice a huge difference. Like they, they know what they want to learn. They are there to learn. They are paying attention. They have a whole nother zeal to them because they know exactly what they're excited to show up and learn instead of excited to just get the stamp and move on and get a job. They're excited about the material. So I think that's, that's a really good idea to get out into the real world, figure out what exactly you don't know, and then use academia to fill that gap instead of just enjoying the structure of it until you're just, and because it really is, I do see that a lot in friends and colleagues, you kind of just get spit out and you're like, oh gosh, I'm used to that structure. And I, and I don't know what to do now that I don't have that structure. Yeah. School, school is what I'm good at. It's what I know. How, it's what I know how yeah. to do. So I'm going to keep yeah, doing it. Exactly. Yeah. So, well, let's, um, let's maybe just mention a couple 
just nuts and bolts about the Summerfield course before we wrap up here, because your applications are opening pretty soon. So do you want to talk a little bit more about how people can find more information and to maybe register for the program? Yeah, so we have a, a website um, that maybe we can link to in the uh, with the podcast. And I, I would go on, I would start there. There's uh, dates on there, July 17th to August 9th. Um, and there's also a description of what you can expect from the field class, as well as my contact information, and just reach out and we can we can talk more. If you are not a CSU student and you're just wanting to come take the take the the class, there's a short, easy um, process to apply to, to be a what they call a summer only student at CSU. But it's a, it's a quick, painless process, and then you can and then you can register for the for the class that way. So it, it's really um, the it's an easy process to register for the field course. I think registration starts. Late March. Late March. So we're, 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 there's still time. Yeah. Okay, wonderful. And, and then it stays open into the early summer uh, as long as as long as we still have slots in the, in the class. And the the class covers. We provide food and transportation, and um, lodging. I say lodging. Sometimes it's just a spot to put your tent. Sometimes it's actually a, <laughs> a, a, a bed. Yep. Um, but so once you're in, once you're with the class, we kind of take care of, of everything else from there. You just have to get to get to Fort Collins. Okay, right on. Well, Tony, thank you so much for all this information. This is such an exciting program. I'm so happy it's happening in Colorado. And thank you for taking the time to come on here and talk about it. And we're really excited about what you're doing. So thank you. Thanks to you. And uh, Quivera has been a, a great partner over the years. And um, so really appreciate the chance to talk with you. to learn more information about this program and contact Tony to talk about your options for grad school, you can go to westernranchmgmt.nrel.colostate.edu. If you're looking for a way to get involved in regenerative agriculture, whether that is through a job, internship, educational event, or conference, you've come to the right place. Kivira Coalition has spent decades building a network within the regenerative agriculture community, and we love to share job, internship, and apprenticeship opportunities with our community through this podcast and our monthly newsletter. You can sign up for that newsletter at kiviracoalition.org slash getenews. Rocky Mountain Farmers Union is hiring a part-time administrative assistant. This person will report to the Rocky Mountain Farmers Union Foundation Director and will assist staff, members, and the board of directors with all matters of operational and administrative requests. To find out more, visit rmfu.org slash aboutus slash we're hiring. Groundup Consulting is hiring consultants in multiple states. This is a part-time independent contractor position that is expected to begin in May. The consultants will assist in revising and developing field forms and scoring sheets for consulting work in the western states. For more information, please visit groundupconsulting.us. Thank you for listening to Regeneration Rising. 
podcast production of the Kavira Coalition. We'd like to thank our guests for taking the time to talk with us about their experiences. You can find us on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, and other popular podcast platforms. Become a Patreon supporter by visiting kaviracoalition.org slash podcasts. We'd also like to thank Kavira staff members, Leah Ritchie, Taryn Dixon, Taylor Mulia, Lynn Litvak, and Caroline Caldwell. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the land. This episode was edited and engineered by Caleb Wenzel-Fisher. Wanderlust, our theme music, was made by Scott Buckley.